chair, the table, a lamp. There's a window with white curtains, and the glass is shatterproof, but it isn't running away they're afraid of. A handmaid wouldn't get far. It's those other escapes, the ones you can open in yourself given a cutting edge. Or a twisted sheet in a chandelier. I try not to think about those escapes. It's harder on ceremony days, but thinking can hurt your chances. My name is Alfred. I had another name, but it's forbidden now. So many things are forbidden now. Joining me now on the Lakeshore Records podcast is Adam Taylor, composer of the wonderful The Handmaid's Tale, a score that I've been listening to this for a few weeks now, and I have to say it terrifies me and also <laughs> excites me as well. It's it's such a it's such a fantastic score. So I'm thrilled to be talking to you today. So uh, Adam, how are you? Oh, thanks. That's uh, really nice to say. I'm doing very well. Cool. I'm happy to be talking. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. It's. I mean, it's. It's. I'm. I'm glad to have the opportunity. Thank you to Lakeshore for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. Um, the show has just hit UK shores, and it's. Yeah. It's gone over huge over here. You know, people are. Mm. People are talking about it. I mean, I know Margaret's book is is a very very popular book. Very popular book. Sure. Uh, the world over. So, I'm not super surprised about the the show's popularity, but I'm. I've only seen one episode of the show, so um, Mm -hmm. I'm not too familiar with the show, but I've been listening to the score. And also, there's a lot of contemporary music that helps, uh, you know, it helps tell the story um, musically in the show as well, which I think is is Mm -hmm. fascinating. You know, it's it's such a... uh, There are shows out there that do that kind of a thing, but the way that the contemporary tracks work with your score... It's just it's it's a it's a work of art, you know. I'm I'm just oh, I'm well, absolutely you. loving it. Do you just jumping in? Do you have any kind of input in the in the tracks that are used, you know, to to working with your score, or do you have you chosen to work your score around some of the song choices? Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's a little bit of both each time. Um, the first three with Reed Morano. Um, you know, I got to work with her before they even started shooting and just sketching out ideas. And mm-hmm. she gave me a playlist of songs, um, like most of the ones that were placed um, in the show, except for at the end of episode three, there was a Bjork song that was supposed to be there that was so great. And the last minute, we weren't able to get it cleared. Oh, no. <laughs> but, so they put this Jay Ritard, which the Jay song is also just fantastic and works great. But yeah, it was usually a conversation like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then it'll be placed and I know it's there and I'll work around it. Mm. Or, um, you know, um, there'll be times when there'll be like a playlist. Uh, there's a scene in the season the, the season finale um, where there's things happening and they had maybe five songs and they couldn't reach consensus. So I was a, a, they showed me all five songs and I was kind of able to get in there and, you know, say what I thought. And yeah. uh, in the... So yeah, it was a group collaboration. 
that's i mean it's great here when, when you hear that stuff like everybody's pulled together it just it makes yeah. it the, the music is so important in a show in a movie that sure. when it works and it really works you can tell from watching yeah you know it, it's yeah. it, there's no disconnects you know from when it goes from mm-hmm. score to song and then back it, there's no disconnect there it feels like one kind of cohesive piece and, and you know that for me is one of the things that keeps me coming back to a show like the handmaid's tale mm. How did you first become involved uh, with with the making of of Hammy's Tale? Yes, um, <clears throat> one of the first uh, films I ever did where it was just me and I wasn't writing under anybody, or um, you know, uh, not even getting credited <laughs> or whatever, was for <laughs> director Marie Morano. It was her first. Uh, it was her directorial debut movie called Meadowland with Olivia Wilde, Luke Wilson, about this couple that um, their son is abducted. And it's about the distance uh, between the two of them and how Luke Wilson's character kind of wants to move on and um, deal with the grief. And Olivia Wilde, the mom, just doesn't believe he's gone and mm. is holding on. And it's it, for me, it hit, hit pretty pretty hard because I had recently, at the time anyway, suffered a loss as well. And um, my wife at the time and I were uh, dealing with grief very differently. And it felt very... Um, real to work on that film anyway that's a sidetrack so yeah i worked for her on that one and then she really just started taking off and getting all this great work and becoming like the it girl as far as as a director and a dp uh she did like vinyl um some other really amazing pieces and then uh she hit me up and was like hey i'm doing this show for hulu i'd love to get you um as the composer i was like that's awesome and she's like, but, you know, just a fair warning, like, you know, um, they it's it's going to be a big show. And they're they're not sure because you've never done TV like right. at all. And I was like, oh, OK. Oh, shoot. All right. Well, you know, um, I, it, so I kind of went into it. I met Bruce um, kind of thinking, you know, I probably won't get this, but this is really cool to meet this amazing writer, you know, a producer at his place in L.A. And then. I later found out as well, I got to meet Lizzie, Elizabeth Moss at some after parties. And right. Reed as well as Lizzie were both pushing for the new guy. Like, to give him a shot, you know, maybe <laughs> he'll screw up. But maybe if, like, we're all lucky and he takes his vitamins and he doesn't do anything else <laughs> with his life, maybe he'll make it. And it was the latter, thankfully. Like, I was, took my vitamins. I didn't have a social life for about five <laughs> months. Like, seven days a week, nonstop, every, you know every day and uh so yeah it was it was reed and lizzie kind of pushing for me um to give me a shot and also because they knew because lizzie was also in reed's movie and they really liked what i did for that and so they actually used some of the tracks from meadowland as kind of a temp for the treatment oh, uh, when they were right. yeah 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 which was like also really great um knowing that they already liked what i had done and and then i just got the email from my agent like you know, Bruce signed off there. You, you got it. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it became reality. Cause at the, up until then, I just thought it was cool to meet some people and hear nice yeah. things. Yeah. But then it became a reality. And I remember in the meeting with Bruce, you know, he's like, so you've never done TV. I'm like, no, I've, you know, I started off doing ads originally and I would do like campaigns where it was like 18 to 30 spots. This one time, my first big job. So I totally know what it is with deadlines. And he's like, yeah, he's like, it'll be a little different TV though. If you've never done TV, I'm like, ah, I'm a hard worker. I, I waited tables until I got to do this. I'm okay with late hours and all. And I had no idea what he was trying to tell me. It was <laughs> so much work. It's so insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm still maybe uh, recovering. I think I took a really long <laughs> vacation 
And I'm just now getting used to like letting myself sleep in until my body tells me to wake up. Right. And uh, reacquainting myself with all my friends that (laughs) are still around. Because a lot of friends, like I had one friend that just stopped trying to (laughs) connect with me. I was like, I swear it's not personal. You know, I just, I really like the little bit of free time I have, I'm I'm sleeping. Yeah. Because that's that's all I that's all I have the energy for at the end of this. I think I answered your question. I don't remember. You what did. It was. I mean, it's it's okay, a, cool. like it's a mammoth undertaking. Anytime, oh anytime one composer is scoring a TV show, I mean, it's a huge the amount of music you have to come up with, and it's all right. original. So it's not yeah. just like, oh well, you know, I'll borrow a little piece from here and this and this and this, and it's. I mean, the, like I was saying before, the music is so integral to the show from what I've seen as well. It plays a huge part in the opening episode. It's mm. kind of like, hmm. I oh, like right. This the is opener, going. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's kind of like, well, I've listened to the score so many times now. And I, I, me as a music fan, like I'm, I'm drawn to the darker side of like score music. So some of the tonal, mm. more ambient stuff. So for me, I like the ominous tones and one of the things i like about handmaid's tale it's fairly dark if you choose to listen to it that way but for me there's also kind of there's an era there's a there's a sense of hope as well it has it has both of those things so combining those things and this Mm. being like a first time thing and creating the amount of music you must have done i mean that's a huge task so my hat is firmly off to you sir (laughs) thanks yeah thank you yeah i think uh it was a little over, it was like five and a half hours of content when wow. it was all said and done. So I had to, I had to average writing two or three pieces a day, <laughs> seven days a week to That's, keep up. That is an insane amount of music. Yeah, it was insane. But you do get a rhythm and you get used to it. And especially with the workflow and you work with, I started to lean more on the music editor as it like maybe by the fifth or sixth episode and to the point where, um, you know, all the, when it premiered and all the parties and everything, I really wanted to go. And, uh, I, I think the New York one, I wasn't really even technically invited, but I <laughs> bugged Lizzie and she got me a ticket and I kind of like snuck in the back door kind of a thing. And it was very gracious of her. Um, and like I was there in New York and at this party and I see like the producers like, Oh, I hope they don't get mad that I'm here. Cause they're going to probably point at me across the room. Like, shouldn't you be writing the last episode right now? It's due like, two days from now and you're in New York. What are you doing here? <laughs> but, you know, you, you get a little bit better at it. So I was able to kind of sneak away and go to the LA and New York premiere yeah. and still manage to heat, hit the deadlines. Well, I mean, going through the process yeah. towards the end of it, was it because you were in the zone by that point, yeah. you know, you're coming to the end. Was was it coming to you? Was it easy? Was it getting easier? Or it did, yeah. It did get easier. Okay, because I wonder sometimes if it's, You've done so much that now you're in the groove and things are flowing easily. Or Mm -hmm. is it a case of, well, I've done so much already. I don't want to repeat myself. So then you start second guessing. So, you know, the way that TV composers work is fascinating because the deadlines you have are just insane. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think um, I got really used to the editing style because I think there were only two editors, I want to say. And they would alternate maybe three. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's all such a blur right now. I couldn't even tell you <laughs> my first name right now, to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, you get a, you get a, a kind of a sense, and a, once you're able to kind of uh, get used to an editor like that, then I was able to more easily, out of instinct and reflex, kind of mm. work the music in. Like the last three episodes were very 
uh, very easy and I uh, got um, very few uh, notes for revisions. I think um, oh. I only, yeah, I, it, which was also really great. I, I just, I, I, I feel like I just kept getting lucky, at, uh, you know, shot after shot after shot lucky mm. because there was only maybe two times when I actually had to really revise a piece. Otherwise it was like, oh, can it start a little later or it, oh. it's a little too loud. So we'll fix that in the mix. Yeah. So it was really great. You know, because I, I, being a new to the scene, if I would have had a rigorous revision process in addition to the writing, I for sure would have crashed and burned. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they, I, you get one day to do any sort of revisions, and then maybe the day after that, or the day following that day, you're in the studio, and all these musicians are paid to be there, <laughs> and the studio time's already bought two weeks ago, and the pressure's on, and yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. How far in advance were you actually working um, from? kind of were you always were you always working to picture or were you working from yes. script as well okay so it's always picture yeah always picture um the very beginning um i sketched out uh maybe three or four themes that became like main seeds hmm. seedlings that you know helped sorry that's my cat he's really loud <laughs> be quiet um so at the very beginning, it was just based on conversations with Reed and her describing what it would feel like to live in Gilead and, hmm. uh, you know, maybe a character like, oh, like who, like Offred, like her, her mental space at this point in time and Moira and these other characters and, and through the conversation, because Reed and I, um, we just really speak the same language. So anytime I work for her, it's very rewarding for me. And she always pulls out a better version of what I could have written just by her saying like the right sentences and like give me the like check out this you know piece of art or check out this photo I took or this this band from like you know the 90s or whatever is awesome listen to it and it's like she just is a fantastic director because she knows how to pull uh, out of those around her everything yeah. like the very thing she needs to execute her vision so at the very beginning it was just conversation and I had some scripts and I had her treatment board that she you know submitted to get the job yeah and then uh and then i got the pilot just before christmas and it was fortunate i had the most time to work on the pilot because uh at that time there's a very specific way you have to do files and stems and all this technical stuff on the computer side mm. and like it's funny because i go through these old st sessions and it's like the first folder with the pilot is just a mess it's just like <laughs> music vomit all over the place and then by the time you get to like episode five five it's like alphabetized everything yeah. is tidy and it's like that is a little more comfortable for me to look at that now so yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean now you know going forward whatever happens yes. next it's it's right there so yeah I mean, you mentioned that you had you were given some um some influences so mm -hmm. Were you listening to anything or were you given kind of any musical direction in a way? Kind of, this is what we want it to sound like or, you know, you borrow from here, that kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it was more um, read, like read actually sent me like sequences. Right, right. Like the very first thing I saw was when it's a flashback and Lizzie's character is at the Red Center and she sees Aunt Lydia for the first time and she's going in and she's being told. And it's like kind of the backstory where she's doing these slides talking about how, you know, uh, the birth rate was falling and mm. all that sort of thing. Um, and so I got that and it was like, it. they're like, so what we want in here is something that is just psychologically just effing with you, you know, right, the whole time. Right. And so I used that and scored to it a few times and like the first time like Meh, it needs to be more like this it was her and i think 
I want to say Joel maybe or Colin. I don't remember. Um, it was so long ago. It was like before Christmas. Uh, and then a few more times and they're like, yes, that's it. Cool. Now, and then they sent me the very opening where she's running with her daughter. Hmm. And then so I took the idea of that, which is the opening music now, which is basically what I was envisioning that if this evil was turned into music, what it would feel and sound like. Right, right. And so for me, it was like, I thought of it as like, as the, you, you kind of see the show and you do eventually feel empathy and compassion and like aspects of every character, even the ones that are supposed to be the very obvious villain or the antagonist. Mm. And so for me, it was like more like there's this almost force that is kind of manipulating these people and causing them to, you know, uh, act in this way and be yeah. evil and hurt people. So I was like, oh, it's almost like this like dark, ominous cloud that's floating overhead and it kind of, you know, um, precedes the the soldiers with the guns. So I thought of it as like this cloud and there's all this dissonance, washiness and also as waves, you know, it's very slowly the way it does in this alternate place where it very gradually and slowly, all of a sudden there's this system in place and everyone looks around and realizes their freedoms are gone and, you know, women can no longer work or have money and yeah. then the, they're being rounded up. It's it's a very gradual thing. So I thought, oh, the music can very gradually build both in dissonance and in dynamics. And then after after I had that idea, it's just a matter of deciding. And at the very beginning, also they wanted or um, traditional orchestral elements, but also you know very dark kind of analog yeah. sounding yeah, yeah, stuff. Because yeah, yeah. like totally, that represents you know the 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 evil, the system yeah. that is that is puppet mastering all these people, which is just this idea that is you know basically possessing all of these people to do its will or something it comes across it really i mean part of from when listening to it the first thing that kind of you know stood out to me or struck me is it, it tonally reminded me a little bit of brian reitzel's score for hannibal how parts Ooh, okay. of that were kind of almost non-music mm. in a way it was it was discordant but you could there was something in it there was kind of like when you stripped it back there was something beautiful there mm. and it's the exact same thing that i got when i was listening to the handmaid's tale it's like okay i get why people are raving about this score like i understand it oh wow. i get and i'm listening to it and yeah. i'm like i had friends reach out to me because obviously they knew it was coming out on lakeshore and they're like dude like, what, what can you tell me about this Handmaid's Tale? I'm like, I don't know. I'm listening to it at the same time you are. You know, this is, <laughs> I'm just, uh, I don't even know what the show, you know, I, I'd heard of the book before, you know, sure. I, it wasn't until, it wasn't until all this happened that I went back and I, you know, found out more about the book. I'd heard about the book and I obviously knew about Margaret and things and was kind of like, okay, well, you know, Handmaid's Tale, this sounds good. Yeah. And I'm listening to the score and I'm thinking, geez, wow, there is something really to this. And it did instantly strike me as, Oh, you know, this kind of reminds me a little bit of when I first heard Hannibal. Yeah. Which, you know, is is kind of amazing, to be honest, because I, I never thought I'd hear anything else like that ever. Mm. So to hear something like it a little while later down the line, it's just, you know, it's a phenomenal thing. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm not familiar. I'm going to watch that as soon as I get off the phone with you. It's a great show. Yeah. It's a great, great show. And the music, I mean, Brian Wrightsell's score is just... It's unlike anything you've probably ever heard or mm. going to hear. But there are, like... I say tonal quite a lot, but there are, you'll recognize things. There are, cool. there are nuances that I, I got from the two things. So, yeah. I mean, you, you as a music, uh, you as a music fan, as a composer, who do you listen to for inspiration? Well, I knew f for this, actually, I very purposefully didn't watch uh, any TV shows that would be similar 
and it didn't listen to any music. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the first episode. It stays pretty dark and intense. Oh, yes. So yes. I would come home and I would binge watch like sitcoms to and like, you know, lay in bed in a fetal position. And I'm like, please, Jerry Seinfeld, make me laugh more. Because tomorrow morning I have to score another scene where some poor woman is just being yeah. horribly brutalized. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just. So, yeah, I, I, I very much. During the show, didn't uh, didn't I? Yeah, it was like podcasts and then news, but that didn't help any either at the time. Mm. Um, so, but normally uh, when I'm listening to music, I really like you know folk music. Um, uh, what do I listen to? Uh, I have a friend that records bands here in Long Beach, and he's all, he's always finding like these groups, and I'll usually listen to the stuff he records. It's always really raw and do-it-yourself kind of sound, and. Um, as far as like uh, composers, I suppose I grew up enjoying the classics, um, all the obvious, you know, Debussy, Beethoven, Chopin, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty cool. I mean, where did you? I mean, you're you're fairly early on in your composing career. Yeah, you know, I, I see very big, very big things on the horizon for you. So, oh, really, thanks. Yeah. I really, really do. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm super pumped for whatever you do next. But I mean, where did it, where did it start for you? Where did, when did you realize that you know composing, that's what you were gonna do? Honestly, it didn't finally click in until I landed this show, and I was really maybe fifth, sixth episode. I'm like, you know what? This is my job. This is what wow. I'm gonna do. And because up until then, I think things kind of did happen more rapidly so it never really settled in i just kept thinking any day now i'll go back and work in a restaurant or something like that right because like um so i was i was waiting tables and there's this hipster church that used to meet downtown here in a pub and um it was like kind of guided meditation and prayer and um i was providing some instrumental music for this one particular part of the liturgy and coincidentally, this director who had just shot a short film in town went there with a friend and really liked this one thing I did. So he contacted me through their music director and was like, hey, this guy was here. The thing you did at the end, could you record it? He would like to use it. I was like, cool. And so we ended up connecting. His name's Elliot Rausch. And uh, I recorded it and he put it to this short film and it went, it did really well. And I got contacted maybe a week later by an ad agency that they wanted to license the track for some banking commercial. And it was like, they're like, oh, you know, it's a small license. And they say this number. I'm like, that's more than I'm making a month waiting tables. <laughs> this is cool. I didn't, I, I was in bands and like, you can kind of scrape by and make money or whatever. But when like all of a sudden I was like tied to advertising and film, it's like, oh, you can, you can support yourself doing this. I, <laughs> and up until then, I never even thought about it. I just knew there was music, but I was like, oh yeah, there's people that do that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like these old guys with gray, beards and brilliant and they you know conductors or something yeah so he kept feeding me um like um short films he was doing ad jobs and then um through him i landed this huge campaign for bbdo and the editor on it was this guy steve marioni he may or may not have heard of him he's a pretty big deal and uh he uh elliot said hey steve marioni's gonna reach out he wants your reel because he likes your stuff. I'm like, no, be quiet. You're joking with me. Sure enough, <laughs> I get an email and I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a fan. Um, and I was like, yes, please, here you go. And he took it. And then a few months later, he said, hey, you'll be getting an email from somebody at this um, at this production because I used some of your stuff 
to cut this Weinstein film and it's making it and they're really liking it and they want you to write a few more pieces and all this other thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, I got my shift covered, drove out to LA after buying a really nice shirt because I had no idea what to expect. And <laughs> I normally I wore t-shirts or black button downs for work. Yeah, yeah. And I meet this gentleman named John Wells, who's a, also a really big deal and find out it's this um, movie called August Osage County for Weinstein. It's like the main actors are Meryl Streep, Julia yeah. Roberts, Hugh McGregor. <laughs> I was like, get the hell out of here. What is this? This is a joke. And, and sure enough, I'm sitting there. I watch the film and I'm like hearing my music. Like at that time, he had used just my music to cut the thing. So right. I was like so excited. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this how it works? Like you don't have to like write stuff. They just use it. I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like there and they give me a pad to take notes. And I didn't know what to take notes on. I just it was an empty pad when I was done because yeah. I had no idea what to do. And then he asked me, he's like, you know, so obviously we really like your stuff. We'd like you to elaborate on a few of these themes, write a little mm. more. Um, would you be comfortable, you know, conducting and orchestrating? I was like, nope, not at all. That part of school, I'll be honest, don't want to waste your time. That part of school is a long time ago and I haven't yeah. done any music. So I was like, he's like, okay. I'm like, but I'd love to be involved and go if possible. He's like, of course. Yeah, you can go. And then maybe another month goes by. And I wrote a few more things, and then they're like, okay, we're, we're getting set up. Here's your information for the travel. So it ended up being that the pieces were recorded at Abbey Road. Wow. With the London Metro Phil. And I was like, this is just, no, no. Okay. That's I'm def insane. <laughs> it was insane. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I don't have to wait tables. Adios, Houston's. Bye-bye. Yeah. And quit waiting tables because, like, this <laughs> might be something now. And I remember sitting and looking down with the orchestrator's assistant following along with the music and they do the, the main theme where I always made this joke. Anytime Julia Roberts is chasing somebody is the music I wrote. And it's like this <laughs> one where she's chasing Meryl Streep through this field and the, it's just like this full orchestra and I just start crying like a baby. And oh, wow. the guy next to me is like totally okay with it. Cause he knows this is like, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> first time you're going to cry, you know? And then went out to eat after that and got to meet, um, Gustavo Santoya and uh, who else was there? Oh, Harvey Weinstein showed up and like sat next to me and we talked for a little oh bit. Oh my god! The whole time I'm just like, this is not real. Any minute now they're like, just kidding. This is all been yeah. a prank. <laughs> we just want to see how long we can make it go. Or I, you know, feeling like simply like I just didn't belong. I was an imposter. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I wandered into someone's really nice high end party. Because I was looking to like, oh, is this where the recycling bin is? Uh, and then they put <laughs> champagne in my hand and they started talking to me. Like, I just came in here to throw away a, a Coke can. I, yeah. <laughs> I just felt like a total, you know, imposter. And any minute the rug would. But I was okay with it. I was like, it was it was fun. Now I know what it smells like in the same room where the Beatles recorded. Yeah. And I got to yeah. play the piano and all that good stuff. Like, I'll grab what I can and run for the door. But I've been... As a result of that, I got an agent and then did Meadowland, and now here we are here. Dude, that, I mean, that's, that is, that's an amazing story. It's crazy. That is, it's, it, like, I mean, that's just, that's, that's the kind of story you want to hear about. Yeah. That's, that is the story you want to read about and you want to hear about. <laughs> like, a young composer was like, yeah, he was waiting tables and now he's doing this. That yeah. is absolutely fantastic. And uh, we're actually, you're actually in the middle of taking a break because we were speaking a little bit earlier through email mm -hmm. and you're actually preparing to do some live performance. Yes. Yeah. So, so like, tell me, tell me what, what, tell me what's happening with that. Very exciting. Um, so, you know, the show wrapped, I went to the final playback of the, the last show and then um, I had a meeting 
And then I got like this email from Gina Pence at Hulu. She's like, um, I have this really exciting idea for the 8th of June. And so I was like, cool. And uh, I didn't get back to her right away. And then she emailed again. And then she called. I was like, ooh, what's this? So she's <laughs> like, here's our idea. She's like, you know, like, you know, uh, TV shows for Emmy stuff, they always do like, they email and like a, a screening of like the show. Hmm. So what they wanted to do was have it as well, where it's invite and it's people in the academy and they come and screen the last episode. But rather than it just be any normal screening, they also wanted all the score to be performed live in sync with the actual right, show. Right. So yeah, like you know, um, I'm going to be far too nervous to do any of the synths, <laughs> piano, or singing. So that'll all be you know from the box. But otherwise, it's going to be a full complement of musicians and the orchestra. And it's going to be at this really great venue uh, down in Hollywood. And uh, and then, uh, much to my, oh, I'm so frightened by it. Um, they, I got the invite. I was like, cool. And like, I've gotten the other invites for like the pilot when it premiered at Tribeca and LA one. And it's always like Q and A with Elizabeth Moss and and cast and Bruce Miller and all that stuff. And like, I got the invite for this one, and it was like, um, you know, screening of the last you know season, whatever. And with Q&A after with Adam Taylor, the composer, <laughs> and others or something. I was like, no, no, no. Do they not know I flunked out of public speaking? <laughs> like, this is going to be a nightmare. They they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Like, I do much better when I get to be in my studio and take time yeah. and slowly decide what I want to say. But on the cuff, I don't know. I mean, you well, can, you can hear me now babbling. I oh, I hour. think you're doing well. You know, oh, okay. I, I think I think I think you're uh, I think you're doing well. And you know, I, I don't know if I'll I'll be able to get an opportunity to see you perform live, but it's definitely something I would love to do because, uh, like I said before, I'm a huge huge fan of the score. Oh, I think it's yeah, wonderful. Thanks. One of my favorite one of my favorites of this year so far. And wow. it's, it's been a great year so far for not just TV schools for film schools. I mean, the last few years have actually been phenomenal. That's um, true. When I get to listen to a score more than once you know, kind of a thing where I'm listening to the record once or twice a week, you know, that's mm -hmm. when I'm like, hmm, there's something to this one. Ooh. There really is. So yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody needs to be checking out The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, and I'm not yeah. just saying this to you as a company man. I'm saying this to you <laughs> as a music fan. Trust me, this is this is an album you need to hear. So, and what's, after you're done with this live performance, mm -hmm. what's actually coming up next for you? A movie called, um, I Think We're Alone Now with Peter Dinklage and Al Fanning. It's um, kind of a uh, post-apocalyptic. Well, Peter Dinklage thinks he's the last man on Earth, and he's in this little town. And it turns out, you know, he's not. And uh, I'm not sure how much I can share about it. They just, yeah. I think, they're almost done filming. It's a read. Um, so that's uh, loved work for her. Um, and then after that, possibly another one with her. I'm not sure. And then um, season two. Right, and then, well, and then maybe a serious vacation after that. Yeah, I mean, serious, serious vacation yeah. after that. It's it's good to hear though that you have plenty of stuff coming up because you've won me over. I am a total fanboy now, oh, so thanks. I am yeah, really I am on the lookout for everything you do. So, Adam, thank you for taking the time out of your uh, of live uh, live rehearsals to uh, to talk to me today. It has oh, yeah. been an absolute blast. So, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully, I'll talk to you again someday. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.